Peace be to you, those that are in Jesus Christ, who have prepared their heart to listen to the words of God, who live, exist, and trembles before the great word of God, before His words, the words of our Heavenly Father, that have become more powerful these days like never before. And the word that will be presented to you is from the series of our pastor, Brother Arkady. This is for all those who love the Word of God. And so we as the partakers of the body of Christ to share together with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in Scripture, we will continue our study of our collaboration with the Holy Spirit, what we need to do from our sides so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can be clothed into the new way of life. I will read a familiar place of scripture, the book of uh, Luke 24:44. These are the words which I spoke to you whilst I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled that in Ephesians 4:22 through 24 that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to its deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And to fulfill this commandment, as we know, we need to utilize three fundamental and commanding acts. This is to put off our former way of life. The second is to renew our mind by the spirit of our mind and then clothe our body into the new form of life. This is our goal. This is our our goal on earth, to enter and fulfill our calling to become warriors in prayer. And although we see the sequence in and these verbs, we need to understand the methods and the mean we need to understand the means we need to be able to fulfill these conditions. So we could put off our old man, renew our mind, and then put on and clothe ourselves into our new person. It is specifically regarding these three destiny-affecting acts will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. Or more specifically, will the uh, our salvation come to pass that is given to us in the format of a guarantee or will we lose it forever? Which is why our names will be forever blotted out of the book of life. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God and Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. And we've noted that the new person into whom we need to clothe ourselves is our inner person or our sacred person that is born from the imperishable seed of the Word of God. And there is the seed of the Word and it is cloaked into the format of the word that we hear from the stage. There is the physical seed and there is a seed that a person grows, uh, plants into the ground. The seed that is planted is not attractive as the fruit is that is grown from that seed. When we're talking about the cedar tree, for example, we don't imagine the seed, we imagine the uh, tree that came from it. 
And so the purpose and calling of this seed and this seed fulfills or brings about the program that's inside of it. Just as when God brought the nation out of Egypt, uh, the slaves, they were slaves in Egypt, they even coming out of Egypt brought out their idols. And so they were supposed to become uh, soldiers uh, for, the, to the, for the Lord. And so, unfortunately, though, we know that besides Joshua and Caleb, nobody else entered the promised land uh, that were within their age range. We have put off our former way of life. We have uh, that we will then enter into our calling and be uh, and resurrect the stronghold of life within our body as Joshua and Caleb. The Lord saw all of this from the beginning. This is the process and life that is contained in the seed. In Israel, next to the Dead Sea, uh, where the fortress of Herod was, they saw hundreds of seeds of of uh, dates, uh, palm tree, and they found many, many seeds from the palm tree that produces dates. And they also were uh, separated, uh, these seeds, into different categories or different families of groups. And so our inner sacred person is born from the imperishable seed of the Word of God. In it, there's no corruption. Practically, this is clothing ourselves, as we understand, clothing ourselves into our new person as clothing ourselves into salvation. And that person who is given salvation in the format of a guarantee, in the format of a seed, if he if he doesn't if it's not converted into fruit, will not uh, put on their salvation. They'll lose that salvation, because the new person is righteous, holy, and incorrupt and immortal. Which is why he is temporarily within this mortal body. He is in the fourth realm, the invisible world. The invisible world is the spiritual world, as our existence has three realms, and. We know there's a past, present, and future, and the spiritual world, as we know, it doesn't have a past, present, and future. Everything is in real is in real time, although it consists of the past, present, and future. It's not easy, of course, to comprehend something like this with our mind, but we hear about this continuously in the Word of God, in the seed, which we, which we are putting in our spirit, and we proclaim it stating, let it be according to your word. This belongs to the past, present, and future. For example, in prayer, we thank God and say, Lord, thank you that we have bore Methuselah, who drives away death. And we proclaim this in real time. And so when did this person live? When did Methuselah live? We behave, as it was said to Abraham, call your wife not Sarai but Sarah and she won't call him Abram but Abraham he was the father of many nations and she was one who bore kings they received that word and began to proclaim it this was the dry seed and this dry seed then bore, uh, produced fruit in result and so our new person has eternity but here in 
it is uh, within the limits of time. Based upon the Old Testament, the new person would not have been able to do this work. But we are the children of Abraham. When people say, when the priest said, we are also the children of Abraham, and Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the same things he did. And so we proclaim the not existent as existent, and the entire Christian world is used to calling, uh, stating things also, but what we're submerged into, what we confess, what has become our own, what has become our breakfast, lunch, and dinner in our mind, this is what they don't live by. We confess with our mouth the treasure of faith that is written upon the tablets of our heart. That is, the inheritance as imperishable, incorrupt, and undefiled. And so the right to be clothed into the power of our new person is the ability to govern time or, or, or be beyond uh, the limitation of time. And so remember what they said about Jesus, the whole world follows him because he. they realized they are not in control of time, but he, Jesus, is the master of time. And so those who follow him also need to be masters of time. Time needs to be their servant. And this is the right to, the right to control. This is fulfilling God's commandments. Commandments that outline in what way and with what truth are we to clothe ourselves into the new person. He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. And so, of course, we're talking about commands. This is the principles that are within this command. Because for every matter, there's a time and judgment in this command. Uh, there's time and judgment, though the misery of a man increases greatly, for he does not know what will happen. So who will tell him when it will occur? Ecclesiastes 8, 5 through 7. And so who will reveal to him this commandment, explain it? He read it with his mind, but it's concealed. Who will open up the seals? And so we, receiving the seed that is uh, that is sealed and so we uh, hear from the stage what we need to do the seed that we need to accept and what it will produce and so unfortunately uh, a misery of the misery of man is, is not just that he doesn't know but he doesn't have someone who will be able to explain it to him because he does not acknowledge the person in the body of Christ a person doesn't want to consent and this person states he communicates with God directly and God will not communicate with such a person directly. And this person will never truly be obedient to God. And so according to this and other places of Scripture, that without uh, governing time, that is fulfilling God's commandments, understanding the time and judgment, you're not able to be clothed into the cloaks of righteousness so that you can perform the perfect judgments of God that we are called to do. And so pursuing the natural qualities and understanding the natural qualities of the new person, we need to understand the purpose uh, and the power of the new person and its many angles. And so this is a person that's clothed into garments of salvation. This is a person that is clothed into robes of righteousness. This is one who is crowned with the crown of a groom, one who's decorated with the jewels of a bride. This is one who puts on wedding clothes. This is one who is clothed into fine and bright linen. This is a person that accepts the representing power of Yahweh of hosts. And so 
studying the virtues we listed, we see that all of these virtues are in one another. They find themselves in one the other. They come one from the other and they support and confirm the truthful nature of one the other. Isaiah 61, 10, 11, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Isaiah 61, 10, 11. This is the righteousness that God will demonstrate to the world, righteousness and praise. Having all of these qualities within one person, these virtues and especially when it talks about the bride uh, adorning herself with her jewels and a bridegroom decking himself with ornaments, we see that <clears throat> the scriptures, uh, this applies to both male and f- male and female. And so each person that confesses the word of God, he, is, he has the male function because every word, as we know, is the seed. But every person that is able to receive the word of God is the function of a female that receives the seed and is conceived by it. In this prophetic word, the virtues that are grown by God in the heart of a person are just as the earth brings forth and buds. Third, this prophecy is one of the characteristics of the fruits of the Spirit that identify the kingdom of heaven within the good heart of a person. For, uh, the kingdom of heaven, of heaven is not food and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so these virtues that have come to power that were previously sown into the heart with tears but have been uh, reaped with joy. Psalm 126, 5, 6. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Being clothed into the new person is being clothed into the resurrection of Christ. And this is when we bear fruits of the Spirit to God which are called to identify the order of the grown in us and abiding in us kingdom of heaven, which is re- demonstrated in righteousness, peace and whole, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so in a specific format, we've already looked at the garments of salvation and we have been studying the garments of righteousness and the price that needs to be paid so that we can be clothed into the garments of righteousness because salvation is received freely, but to be able to invest it, to be able to turn it so that we can profit, we need to do something. The scriptures warn that from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven is, uh, you have to press into it or put forth effort to obtain the kingdom of heaven. 
And so the guarantee we receive freely, but if we don't invest it, we don't turn it to profit us, then the salvation that we are waiting for, it won't be, won't be uh, received, won't be obtained. And so we are saved in hope. And if we fulfill, and if we remain strong, and if we will be faithful, and will continue being faithful to the end, we already studied six conditions and have been studying the condition, the seventh condition. The price for the right to be clothed into the garments of righteousness so we can perform God's justice is to be clothed into redemption that is contained in honoring the Lord's Pesach that is implemented by God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at that last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my drink and my blood is drink indeed. This is not just the communion where we take the bread and we take the wine, which is a symbol of the blood. We need to understand the teaching of the truth of the blood of Christ and the teaching of the cross of Christ. And if we don't, we will not be drinking uh, in honor but judgment to ourselves. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of my Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. John 6, 53-58 And so the main essence of vert, uh, worthily eating the Pesach is understanding our collaboration with the truth by being instructed in the faith, collaboration with the truth of the blood of Christ and collaboration with the truth of the cross of Christ, which gives us access to the uh, the cross of Christ, which gives us access to the blood of Christ. If we will not be taught these two fundamental forms of truth, which are truly fundamental uh, in the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, then we will not have any ability to worthily take part in the communion of the Lord. Because the truth about the blood, we know blood washes a person from all sin. But the next day comes and you sin again and you sin again and you need a blood again. And this will continue even after you receive your pension. But it turns out there's another piece that isn't preached, the most important piece, and that's the cross, that will destroy the factory of sin that a person has inside, that he has received from the genetical code this from the fallen cherubim who rewarded everybody with this and so we've noted that every year when they celebrated Pesach they and the symbol of the communion in this case is the uh, forever deliverance from sin uh, that is uh, from slavery of sin which is death in the body we need to receive deliverance not somewhere when we after we die but here within our body and so to finally be fully delivered from our 
uh, mortal body and our mortal soul, by eating the lamb Pesach, we will put on incorruption and immortality. And before we put on incorruption and immortality, here, worthily eating of the Pesach or the Passover uh, you needed a specific uh, type of clothing or garments that they were to put, put on and there were also conditions that needed to be fulfilled so that you would eat the lamb itself not following those requirements those conditions in any of its aspects did not deliver a person from the verdict deliver a person from the verdict of death and following the conditions of Pesach makes a, a person a partaker of the judgments of God over the firstborn of Egypt. Exodus 12, 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Looking at this place of scripture, we see that the firstborn of Egypt that the Egyptians depended from were the gods of Egypt. And our dependence from anything or anyone identifies, as we know, our God, our trust, our worship. And so the firstborn of Egypt, they symbolized the soul of a man that has refused to be lost in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, refused to build the ark and enter the ark so that he can die for his house, for his nation, the house of his father, and for his uh, life in the flesh and considerations that are resisting God. Noah did not refuse. He did die for his house, for his destructive desires, and for his nation. They show like illustrations that people helped him build that he hired um, workers. The scriptures say who built it. He built it. As we build ourselves also. Not looking at anything else. He, he separated himself from all these people. And so. He walked before God. Well people say we all walk before God. That's a lie. If you did walk before God. If everyone did. Life would be different. If we don't perform God's justice and allow our soul to die so that when, by following the requirements of Pesach, if we don't allow it to die, then we will not be able to be descendants of Abraham, which is the father of all who believe. And we will not be able to be clothed into garments of righteousness that is into our new and sacred person. Abraham, who is placed by God, he received God's promise in the form of a seed of the preach to him word which is why he be began to proclaim the not-existent as existent. And in this way, he grew this seed into fruits of joy in the born him, by him, Isaac. And his name means smile, laughter, or joy. The uh, feast or celebration of Pesach, if you remember that Adam, uh, God made for him uh, clothing of, the, of animal skins. And this was the first symbol of this. Uh, 
And so when people, God never has favorites or just selects one from others just out of uh, some sort of convenience. Uh, he foreknew in advance that when you meet with the truth, when you hear the truth, how you will behave, how you will react to that truth. And before the very first dust uh, uh, particles uh, that were created in the universe, he knew what you would decide. By following the requirements of Pesach, God was able to fulfill all of his oath promises, and that includes uh, performing judgment over his enemies, over the wicked of the world, belittling poverty and all kinds of illness and weakness that uh, make his remnant suffer. And so these are our enemies as well. And so the imperishable treasures of the feast Pesach would become our inheritance. The scriptures have given us ten conditions, or more accurately, to abide in these ten conditions. This is the choice. And separation of the lamp Pesach is to remove all leaven from your household to apply the blood upon the doorpost and lintel. This is to prepare the entire lamb. This is to gird yourself with the sash of truth. You need to put shoes on your feet. This is the ready, you're ready to be a light for the world, to have the staff within your hand, to have the lost and reobtained soul in a new form by which God can then perform his miracles and that will now be called the holiness of the Lord. Before the loss of our soul, our soul was not the holiness of the Lord. Only when we lose it in the death of the Lord Jesus, then after we take it, when we take it by the tail, the staff, we they take control of it with our mouth and we confess not what we feel, but what we see, what we uh, read, what, not what we see or what we read, but what we hear. What God has done for us, who he is for us, and the soul becomes the holiness of the Lord and is used then by God to subjugate all kinds of enemies. And so we need to eat the lamb Pesach with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. We need to eat uh, the lamb Pesach uh, quickly. We need to eat the Passover feast uh, in haste, as it says in Scripture. That's the one we will be studying today, Exodus 12:11. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, Exodus 12:11. To eating to eat the Passover in haste was so important that it is brought forth repeatedly as an unchanging law. This was also the word that was used when the Lord commanded the children to come out of Egypt. Deuteronomy 16.3 You shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it. 
that is, the bread of affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that you may remember the day in which you came out of the land of Egypt all the days of your life. And so haste, uh, besides its direct definition, is to be quick, to go fast. That's the literal definitions, but in in the spirit, is haste is to take the yoke of Christ upon you, is to carry your cross, to overcome suffering, to put on the mantle of a student, to be armed with the armor of light, and to put on all of the strength of the might of God, to renew your mind, to meditate about God, the law of the Most High, to attend to the word with fear and trembling, to stand guard and not peddle the word of God. Considering that to eat Pesach is the guarantee of the New Testament that is symbolically in the number eight. And so because of this, pastor had offered eight signs that contain the meaning of haste, although there are many more of them. In a specific format, we studied six of those in the previous services and stopped to study the seventh sign of haste. Seventh sign to eat the Pesach in haste is to be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. Colossians 1.11 Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. We have noted that in Scripture, all of the strength of God with which we need to be strengthened, the might of God that we need to be strengthened with, is the. It has an innumerable, innumerable amount of the qualities of God, and they demonstrate the might and the glory of God. When we're talking about strength, this is might, the right, authority, stronghold a covenant, light, a sign, indication, attributes of royal power, the all-armor of God, heavenly hosts, the the many mercies and goodnesses of God, the many beauties of God, the ability and opportunity to perform righteousness and justice, the ability to expand and widen your boundaries, a miracle, something miraculous, something divine. And so, collaborating with the strength of God, (coughs) collaborating with the strength, we can then determine that we are eating the Pesach of the Lord with haste, and this will allow us to confront the ambitions of our own personal Egypt. To be strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, (coughs) we need to fulfill the condition that is to uh, be in all patience and long-suffering with joy. What is the strength of all his might? Because how can we be strengthened if we don't know what that means? And so after that, we can study how we need to continue in all patience and long-suffering with joy so that we can be strengthened with all of these many forms of God's might. What is 
the strength of all his might. <clears throat> we came to the conclusion that the many meanings and many functions of the strength of God, this is the innumerable and immeasurable uh, works of God. Psalm 66.3 Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies will shall submit themselves to you. And so the main enemy is our soul. That is linked to its nation, the house of its father, and its genetical, uh, desi- gen- genetically inherited desires. And they're supported by the powers of darkness. If you look at this the other way, we'll see that the powers of darkness, they are... Uh, relying upon this genetic desires that are that are linked to our house and the others the true works of God that are done in our heart they bring forth fear and reverence before God when they are done within the heart of a person and the result of this the results are to be seen by every person experienced by every person who eats the Pesach of the Lord in haste and so the many functions and many meanings of God's strength, we see the great work of God's redemption that show us who God is to us and what God has done for us. The question, in what way are we to be strengthened with all the might of God? We need to understand what we need to do so that we can inherit everything that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. In a specific format, we already looked at a few different identifications specifying God's strength. And we stopped to study the next component of the strength of the Lord. It's very interesting, which is called to be within the heart of a redeemed by God person in the multitude of God's tender mercies. Have have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Loving kindness of God, according to the multitude of God's tender mercies, we need our heart to have the right to collaborate with God's strength, but also the ability to abide in the strength of God, because otherwise we'll just be entering the house of God. But in house, the house of God, this is the fourth dimension, fourth realm, and this is the body of Christ. And if we come in according to the multitude of God's tender mercies, why do many people fall away? Because they simply came to the house of prayer, but the courts of the Lord were closed to them. And the right to abide in the strength of the Lord is the fear of the Lord. And this is so that our lawlessness can be blotted out before God. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. 
For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just, just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. Hyssop, as we heard, is the confessions of our mouth. This is our tongue. To be able to sprinkle ourselves with our tongue, we need a person first that would sprinkle upon us with his tongue, and then we will participate in the same, uh, we will collaborate, we will use our uh, confessions, our mouth, to be able to sprinkle ourselves. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Psalm 51, 1 through 12. An incredible uh, place of scripture, an incredible psalm that we can strengthen ourselves with. Acknowledging your trespasses before God is important, but for God to, tr- to blot them out, just acknowledging them is not enough. Because to blot out our, our trespasses We need to collaborate with the many strengths of God, which is His mercy that is in the inheritance of the blood of of the cross of Christ. And so the unique collaboration with the multitude of God's mercies that are in His uh, many, uh, in His strength and His many mercies. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, Psalm 51.1. To be able to perform God's justice, it is necessary that mercy and truth would be bound around our neck and that these virtues be written upon the tablets of our heart. Proverbs 3.3.4 Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. We've noted that the symbol of our neck that we are called to bind with mercy and truth is the collaboration of our sovereign will with the sovereign will and perfect will of God, which upon practice means to submit your will to the perfect will of God that is written in Scripture, that is, deny your own sovereignty for the benefit of God's sovereignty. The condition to bind them around your neck, write them on the tablets of your heart, to write them on the tablets of your heart is a wise heart that collaborates with the wisdom and knowledge of God. And upon practice, this means to prepare the soil of your heart, to prepare the seed, prepare your, your heart so that you could receive the seed 
of the kingdom of heaven. And this means that when we receive the seed of the word of the kingdom of heaven, we have already prepared our heart so that we can receive it. Only then will God begin to put it inside, the, his wisdom inside of our heart. Exodus 31, 6, I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. And so a wise person will become wiser only because he from the beginning makes the right decisions. There's uh, sayings in Russian sometimes where a fool can become a king. And so talking about God's mercy, that's God's redemption that we are bounding our neck with. This is to be done within the fields of truth. And that is the truth, uh, the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. Our heart needs to be that legitimate field of truth where the multitude of God's strengths and God's mercies can be. And not just some kind of slogans or kind of pseudo-religious studies of different kinds where our mind then does not or cannot in any way comprehend or apprehend the word because our intellect is not the truth uh, as it is but coming to this place we have the opportunity to hear the word and this is the word that is open that the seals have been removed and our heart is prepared to accept it the Lord lives in this word and how much word I have in myself is how much of it will live inside of me that's how much light I will have in me and that's how much I will see and that's how much if I want more of it then I need to commit myself I need to dedicate myself and the more and so sanctifying myself to dedicate myself and this gives God more ability or give us more opportunity to collaborate with us because he works according to his word he fu- he does all the work within the boundaries of his word only we can violate boundaries he does not violate our boundaries he works within the boundaries of what he said if you want it to have more do the work and put in the effort uh, to understand and learn it so that God can stretch forth his scepter, his favor uh, toward us, and we can then receive the ability to confirm his justice upon the righteous and and, and unrighteous within the field of truth. The truth needs to not just be something we obtain in our heart, but our heart needs to become the state of truth. And so we need to ask the question, what character do the scriptures give God's mercy when we're studying the multitude of God's strength and also what purpose in our worship are the multitude of mercies of God called to fulfill, what price needs to be paid so that the multitude of God's mercies could become our possession and become our state and by what results do we judge ourselves that God truly has stretched out the multitude of his mercies to us that is his golden scepter 
and he then gives us his strength. Studying the first question, what characteristics do the scriptures give? The quality of God's mercy, which is the demonstration of his, the multitude of his strength, God's mercy as it is, is one of the main names of God with his fundamental names and also his characteristics. 2 Corinthians 1.3 Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Second, the mercy of the Lord is the inheritance of God that is passed down exclusively to his children as heirs of the faith of Abraham from one righteous generation to the next righteous generation from a father to a son. There needs to be a relationship of a father and son, a teacher and a student. If someone says, how long will I be a student, then this person doesn't have a place in the body of Christ. They were never actually students. In this way, they uh, condemned themselves to death in this way, spiritually. And so, we're, we're needing to understand again that there's a father and a son, a teacher and a student. The mercy of the Lord is one of the many forms of God's goodness, which is demonstrated in His grace that has is reigning in the heart of a person because of the righteousness he received previously in God's grace, in God's... And this grace is uh, because of God's redemption. The mercy of the Lord contained in God's goodness is one of the identifications of the demonstrations of, of God's truth. And it's given only to vessels of mercy. Psalm 89.1 I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. And so mercy is contained in the legitimate field of truth. We need to create this field of, of truth in our heart. And so it's unique that a person that sings and prays the mercies of God get, uh, receives the right to demonstrate these mercies of the Lord because he has a field of truth in his heart. And so one who proclaims the Lord's truth remains in God's goodness and keeps himself from falling. Romans 11.22 Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who felt severity but toward you goodness if you continue in his goodness otherwise you also will be cut off. In this given situation, the goodness of God is God, the demonstration of God's mercy that is toward those who have bound their neck with mercy and truth. The severity of God is the demonstration of God's justice and His righteousness. And the severity is toward those who have refused to bind their neck with mercy and truth. And these are people with a stiff neck. Psalm 89.14 Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Psalm 
This was also uh, presented to us as place of scripture in the last sermon when it was, we were talking about a righteous heart, which is a living shield that take up. Uh, uh, and this is, if you remember, we were studying the hit that was the heart the, the, that Jesus Christ takes upon himself, the strike or the hit uh, that is supposed to be, uh, that is directed at us by our enemies. And so righteousness and justice are the foundation of the throne. That means they, they come first. And so righteousness and justice as they go, uh, go ahead, as they say, they're not supposed to be going first. Uh, mercy and truth go before God's face so that they are the ones that actually go first and righteousness and justice follow. Righteousness and justice, if they uh, if they go first, then all of our sins will be uh, revealed before God's face. But if mercy and truth go forth, righteousness and justice follow, there's nothing for them then to uh, discover, anything wicked to discover, because mercy and truth came first. Prophet Isaiah says, uh, writes, uh, and also in Romans 10, 16, 17, it is written, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We know that God's faith is a command and our faith is obedience to this command. Receiving the Lord's help, that is His mercy, this is in, 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 his, in our prayer and our worship. Because prayer is the right that a person uh, gives heaven to be able to intervene on earth, and such a right we give to God upon His implemented conditions. One of these prayers, Psalms of David, written in, the, in Psalm 143, He allows the Lord to intervene in His life, because he has a field of truth in his heart. Psalm 143, 1-12 through Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies, in you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. 
читающих душу мою, ибо я твой раб. Из этих молитвенных слов, которые изрек Давид, видно, что... Looking at these prayer words, we see that that the Lord's love is not tolerant but holy and because it's holy it is selective as our, our pastor reminds us and David knowing, knows this he states these words uh, destroy all those who afflict my soul destroy the enemy today that those who resist God's selective love they will be punished by God and so David needed to present to God a specific foundation or a specific right that would serve as evidence before God so that he can intervene in the life of David with his truth David presenting this evidence there were ten arguments he presented David brought forth these he said hear me because of your righteousness in your righteousness and because he says that because I remember the days of old I meditate on all your works I'm using the works of your hands I spread out my hands to you my soul longs for you like a thirsty land for the sake of your mercy and so we have been studying all of these different uh, forms of evidence that the Lord had presented. And so the evidence of that he presented before God, faithfulness and righteousness was the first that he had presented because of God's faithfulness and righteousness. And so we had to study uh, what is this form of evidence that David presented, what does it mean, so that he can prove before God that he has a field of truth in his heart. And so what conditions do we need to also fulfill, like David, to have these kinds of virtues as David has? And so we study all of this so that we can have our old man be thrown out from within our body who is supported by the the by, by Satan and so we need to study a series of questions identifying faithfulness and righteousness in our heart the purpose that faithfulness and righteousness fulfills within our heart how do we keep our heart in faithfulness and righteousness and what results follow from understanding faithfulness and righteousness within the boundaries of which we can turn the Lord's favor upon ourselves in His uh, faithfulness. And this way we can then collaborate with the multitude of God's strength and the multitude of His mercy. In a specific format, we studied the first three questions and have been studying the uh, fourth Faithfulness and righteousness, they're similar, but they're not the same. In Scripture, uh, righteousness, uh, truth comes from righteousness. And uh, this is as a father produces himself in his son, 
or as the seed uh, produces itself in the fruit. <clears throat> and so truth is the root that identifies the state of the human heart. Righteousness, faithfulness in the form of truth, and righteousness is the uh, <clears throat> the plant that grew from this seed. Righteousness also in the form of justice. is what faithfulness produces. And so we ask, uh, ask the fourth question, by what results do we determine <coughs> that we are within the legitimate grounds of uh, faithfulness and righteousness, also truth and justice can be uh, as these uh, meanings of these words. And so this, how can we determine that we have this nature like God's nature and not some kind of counterfeit form of this nature? So we can then demonstrate the multitude of his mercies and the multitude of his strengths. One of the signs that we are within this truth and justice is that we will be able to confront any tongue or that will be trying to argue with us or quarrel with us. Isaiah 54, 17, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. In the given situation, the goal of any uh, weapon that is against us, that is a tongue that is against us, will to discredit the righteousness that we have. This will be the first strike. The, this tongue will try to strike the righteousness that we have. It will be directed against us to discredit us, to take what we have, take our righteousness from us, to take away our confidence that we are justified by God and that we could perform righteousness. And also arrows in the form of thoughts that are sent into our heart so that we acknowledge these evil thoughts as our own, as Pastor was talking about. Why are you repenting if these are not actually thoughts from you? They came from outside, but they're not actually yours. You need to confess only that truly belongs to you, but if it doesn't belong to you, it's not something you need to repent for or confess. These thoughts can't be confessed with your mouth, but only confess who you are to God and what you've uh, and what God has done for you. And so the arrows of the Amalekites and others uh, that are directed at us will not be able to strike us if we will not, uh, or do their work if we will not confess them or acknowledge that they are our own. And when the devil says, you're thinking these things, you'll say, no, I'm not thinking these things. You sent these things to me, these thoughts.
need to fill yourself with the Word of God, listen to the sermons, always be vigilant. I noticed for myself, you get thoughts in your mind, and Pastor said, if you have a thought, write, write it down. An hour passes by, and then what you forget what you actually were thinking about the, uh, an hour before. Because the root of God's thoughts are very different than the root of, of the thoughts of devil. Righteousness comes from truth is the legitimate field for any strength of God and all of God's mercy. And so that's why the enemy wants to discredit this strength and our righteousness inside. Because this is the legitimate field where the Lord can perform His mercy. He could show His mercy toward us. They know that the enemy knows that he can't present anything greater and anything in its stead. And so the only thing that they can do is upon legitimate grounds, the enemy works only within legitimate grounds also, he he will uh, discredit our righteousness, which is a foundation before God, the grounds for his mercy, so he could show us his mercy. When we are accused all the tolerance of the religious world, which is the weaponry of hell, uh, disappears. You notice our enemies are tolerant to everyone, but not toward us. Job 2, 3 through 10. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blame, blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. The devil can't do whatever he wants, but only what the Lord allowed him. <clears throat> so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head, and he took for himself a poshirt with which he scraped himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? In all this job, uh, Job did not sin <clears throat> with his lips. God always boasts uh, by the, uh, those saints that hold fast to the righteousness in all situations and regardless of the circumstances. The next result that we are within the boundaries of the legitimate field of truth and righteousness is the wisdom of God that will make us uh, known in heaven, on earth, and hell. So, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the prince, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and, and access with confidence through faith in Him. Ephesians three ten through twelve. We see here that the angels of heaven 
and the heavenly host, they understand the manifold wisdom of God by looking at the church, by looking at every uh, saint, every holy person, however many saved uh, people there will be, there will be the manifold uh, wisdom of God, the many forms of His wisdom. There's not as many grains of sand or stars in the sky. I will make your seed as the stars and as the sand on the uh, grains of sand on the sea. Sure. And each one will have a unique form of wisdom of God, a unique uh, quality of God's wisdom. And so God makes known his many forms of wisdom through us. Considering that authority that uh, and these uh, powers, principi- principalities and powers in heavenly places are the angels, God uh, shows them who he is when they look at the saints. And if you can imagine a painting and every stroke of the brush is a saint, his destiny, his experiences, his uh, trials, everything a person goes through, his, his commitment, his dedication. The characteristic of a chosen by God remnant becomes known in heaven by the characteristics he has on earth. And we become known on earth uh, by the same characteristics as those in he- by which we are known in heaven. As unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Ephesians 3, 10 through Ephesians, uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 9, 10. And so people with these characteristics also uh, become known in hell. Also, then some <clears throat> of the ignorant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priests, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Acts 19, 13-17. And so being known in heaven, on earth, and in hell is the work of God's uh, strength that that is within the legitimate field of truth. And that's because we are within the boundaries of the legitimate field of, of truth. The next result that we are within the boundaries of the field of truth is God giving us the ability to distance ourselves from evil. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. And so a, a wise person is not a person that fears us in the world. And 
And so the fear we're talking about is, of course, the fear of the Lord and not the fear of the world. And so this person distanced himself from the lawless, allowing God the ability to judge them and their disobedience. And so this person rises above circumstances and doesn't uh, quarrel with, with the others. The foolish, they trust in themselves, which is why they are united with evil and they catch themselves with the sins of their own mouth, the nets of their own mouth. Proverbs 12, 13, 14, the wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of man's hand will be rendered to him. Looking at this uh, Proverbs, being saved from uh, evil and being uh, saved from the wicked will depend on the quality of our mouth or is our lips new our lips new is our mouth new that speaks new things or old things or is it one that speaks deception and judges Proverbs 11:8-9 the righteous is delivered from trouble and it comes to the wicked instead the hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered And so the righteous, he is a seer, he sees ahead, he, and because of that he is saved. The seer is the ability to see the thoughts and intents of a person that are against us. And so to be wise is the ability to fear God and depart from evil. This is the power of God that is in his mercy toward us. And this is evidence that we are within the boundaries of the legitimate field of truth. The next result, that we are within the boundary of righteousness and truth, is our ability to listen to the instruction of our Father. Proverbs 13.1, a wise man heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. And so the instruction of a father is also correction. And for the son, it also could be, needs to be as oil. And so if it will not be as oil, it will be as one who is rebellious. And so one that is stupid is one who is irritated, one who is self-confident, who believes every word. Proverbs 14, 15, 16, the simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. In Hebrew, wise is one who, who thinks well, one who is capable, one who is artistic, one who is experienced, one who understands, one who can uh, make conclusions, the right conclusions, one who is able to see deeper, one who is of, of good knowledge or understanding. And 
And so this is as one who evaluates things properly or makes the right judgments. The, the spiritual one judges all things. He's one who depends on the fear of the Lord and he's obedient uh, to his father within the fear of the Lord. And the foolish one, he depends on his corrupt desires and is led by his corrupt desires. He abides in his corrupt desires and he serves his corrupt desires with his in intellect. All of the foolishness is in desires. And so again, the intellect serves his desires and this is what the foolish does. And so tolerance in him is his priority and he uses scripture and finds ways so that he can drink so that he not have to bring, give his tithe and defends his actions. And so tolerance is, is something that uh, pretty much you're of an acceptance of. It's the acceptance of something that is of a different world or something that is of different. This is not a principle of the Holy Scriptures in any way. To listen to the instruction of your father means to have an inclined ear so that you can strictly obey the words of your father and gladly. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him, 1 John 2, 29. And so one who can obey with joy is one who is born from the seed of the word of truth. If he's not born from the word of truth, then he will not have joy, he will not have obedience. Proverbs 15.5 A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives a correction is prudent. And so when you're corrected, it actually is very pleasant because you begin to understand how it works. And so God's strength is in His mercy that is in the legitimate field of truth. And so we need to obey our Father within the boundaries of the field of truth. The Heavenly Father he will not work with us, he will not have fellowship with us out of these boundaries. Because this is the, these are the, his sovereign rights and our sovereign rights. And our pastor doesn't violate these rights. The next result, that we are within the boundary of legitimate truth and righteousness, is our ability to withhold our anger. Proverbs 29, 11. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Holds them back is to calm, to rule of your spirit, or to keep guard of your mouth uh, with gentleness. A gentle, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And say a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. And so an undisciplined person is one that does not have gentleness. And gentleness isn't just given. You need to learn it. It's not given freely by grace in Jesus Christ. 
You have to accept in your into your life a teacher whom God has sent and obey him and humbling yourself. And so you have to pretty much uh, control yourself, discipline yourself. No one will be doing this for you. And so the ability to break our spirit or to... Uh, by being disobedient, you break your spirit or suffer shipwreck in your faith. And so we know jealousy, pride, and uh, bitterness that a person has inside. Ephesians 4, 26, 27, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. This means that when we pour out our wrath, we uh, we sin when we do this. And a expression of this anger uh, is a temporary form of possession in a, in a way. Uh, and then afterwards you feel very bad that, that's, that you've expressed this anger and have to apologize. Pouring out wrath is willingly giving yourself to the spirit of anger and death. James 1, 19 through 21. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. I think for today I'll finish with this. We have many other things that we can go through. And there's a lot of material to go through. And we will leave it for another time. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we turn to you. We are thankful to you. We are thankful that we have the ability to be upon this place that your hand has appointed so that we can worship you here. Thank you for this opportunity to bow our heads before you and to thank you that you give the ability also the ability to wash ourselves with your word that you saved us from the sinful life of our fathers from the law of sin and death that has given us a new life in Jesus Christ who justified us, cleansed us to placed us upon solid ground we thank you that you have given us the ability to be clothed into the new person we have been clothed into salvation we worship before you because of your righteousness that we have obtained in you. I thank you, Lord, for this justification that we received and that we have confirmed in our heart. Thank you for the truth that we receive from this place. And allow us, Lord, to prepare our hearts to continue to listen to your word, that we work and 
prepare our soil so that the soil can receive these seeds well and we can completely collaborate with you and grow into this fullness in your teaching that you have given that you have that you're showing us and teaching us thank you for this church for this good wife where we can find ourselves where we can uh, understand that we found this good wife because we reject our intellectual ideas our mind um, and depend only on you and what you tell us and we rejoice that this word has become the light upon our path that because of this we hate the commandments of man but love your commandments because they are a light to us and we worship with your nation and we thank you for that love and mercy that you have shown every one of us individually we thank you for the ability to submit ourselves to your word the ability to have a, a relationship with the Urim and the Thummim that will reveal to us greater and greater and we will see this light the more and the more in this dark time that this world has been submerged into we're not sons of darkness we're sons of day and we rejoice because of it because your altars restored that we can come to you and we can bring the offering of praise to you I thank you Lord that every one of us individually you strengthen us in this word you have made us one in this word and it has united us because it is the foundation of our faith and confidence thank you that you take care of us each of us individually you bind our wounds you found us and you brought us into this inn you bound our wounds you washed us you cleansed us you justified us you have given us everything we need so that we can grow and this is not something we earned but because of the blood of Jesus Christ we thank you for the sacrifice of the lamb that we can uh, remember in the Golgotha suffering and we can participate in the communion take the uh, bread and the wine because you are the true banquet for our new person maybe our we can't fully understand what we're doing but we know it's your command and we you heal us and because of this command you do great things with us and you change our mind you keep us and protect us in the most difficult of situations we thank you for this teaching of Jesus Christ that you brought that we can submerge into the teaching of baptism thank you that we can uh, unite with one and separate from another that you've given us the ability to have fellowship with you hallelujah to you my soul is rejoicing in you because you have kept every one of us till this day and our bodies in our bodies allow us to have a humble heart to keep the truth within our hands and be obedient to you worship we worship before you our great God Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.